briefly let's look at uh, regulation of acid base balance by respiratory mechanisms the class we have to write briefly on acid base balance just a short notes of not more than three pages for me on acid base balance as a topic but this moment we shall be looking at the regulation of acid base balance by respiratory mechanism we will now look at the integration of pulmonary ventilation and circulation and pulmonary blood vessels now regulation of acid-base balance by respiratory mechanism the lungs plays an important role in the maintenance of acid-base balance by removing carbon dioxide which is produced during various metabolic activities in the body this carbon dioxide combined with water to form carbonic acid since carbonic acid is unstable it splits into hydrogen ion and bicarbonate the entire reaction is reversed in the lungs when carbon dioxide diffuses from blood into the alveoli of the lungs and co2 is blown off by ventilation when metabolic activities increase more amount of carbon dioxide is produced in the tissues and the concentration of hydrogen ion increases as a result of the increase in metabolism Increase in hydrogen ion concentration increases the pulmonary ventilation, that is hyperventilation, by acting through the chemoreceptor, which we shall see as the last uh, part of this uh, course on the control of respiration. Due to hyperventilation, the excess of carbon dioxide is removed from the body. pulmonary or integration of pulmonary ventilation and circulation pulmonary ventilation is defined as the volume of air moving in and out of respiratory tract in a given unit of time during quiet breathing pulmonary ventilation is the amount of air that enters and leaves the lungs in one minute it is the product of tidal volume and respiratory rate in pulmonary ventilation, 6 liters of air moves in and out of the respiratory tracts every minute. So let's look at the pulmonary blood vessels. Pulmonary blood vessels include pulmonary artery, which carries deoxygenated blood to the alveolar of the lungs and brachial artery 
which supply oxygenated blood to other structures of the lungs. <coughs> the pulmonary artery supplied the oxygenated blood pumped from the right ventricle to the alveola of the lungs, that is pulmonary circulation. After leaving the right ventricle, this artery divides into right and left branches. Each branch enters the corresponding lungs along with primary bronchus. After entering the lungs, branches of the pulmonary artery divide into small vessels and finally form the capillary pleasures that is in intimate relationship with the alveoli. Capillary pleasures is solely concerned with alveolar gas exchange. Oxygenated blood from the alveolar is carried to the left atrium by one pulmonary vein from each side. The bronchial artery. The bronchial artery arises from the descending thoracic aorta. It supplies arterial blood to bronchi, connective tissues, and all the structures of the lungs, stroma, viscera pleura, and pulmonary lungs nodes. Venous blood from these structures is drained by two bronchial veins from each side. The bronchial veins from the right side drain into the azygous vein, and the left bronchial vein drain into the superior hemiazygous or left superior intercostal vein. However, the blood from distal portion of the bronchial circulation is drained directly into the tributaries of the pulmonary vein. Let's look at the physiological shunt. Physiological shunt is defined as the diversion through which the venous blood is mixed with arterial blood. The components of the physiological shunt are two. One, the flow of deoxygenated blood from the bronchial circulation into the pulmonary vein without being oxygenated makes up part of the normal physiological shunt. Two, the flow of deoxygenated blood from the tibetan vein into the cardiac chambers directly. Venous admixture and wasted blood. Physiological shunt results in venous admixture. Venous admixture refers to mixing of deoxygenated blood blood with oxygenated blood. Fraction of venous blood which is not fully oxygenated is generally considered as wasted blood. Normal shunt level and its variations. The normal shunt level and its variations. Normal physiological shunt of venous blood to the left side of the heart is 1 to 2% of cardiac output. In normal persons, it makes, it may increase up to 5% of cardiac output 
which may be due to mismatching of ventilation perfusion ratio within physiological limits. Pathological increase in the shunt occur in several conditions such as acute pulmonary infection, bronchiectasis, that is permanent dilatation of the bronchial due to chronic pulmonary infection and inflammatory processes. Let's look at physiological shunt versus physiological dead space. Physiological shunt is analogous to physiological dead space. Physiological shunts include wasted blood and physiological dead space include wasted air. Both wasted blood and wasted air exist on either side of the alveolar membrane and both affect ventilation perfusion ratio. Characteristics feature of pulmonary blood vessels. One, pulmonary arteries has a thin vein. A thickness is only about one third of thickness of the systemic aortic wall. Wall of other pulmonary vessels is also thin. Two, pulmonary blood vessels are highly elastic and more distensible. Three, smooth muscle coats is not well developed in the pulmonary blood vessel. Four, true arterioles have less smooth muscles fibers. Five, pulmonary capillaries are larger than systemic capillaries. Pulmonary capillaries are also dense and have multiple anastomoses. So each alveolus occupies a capillary basket. Six, vascular resistance in pulmonary circulation is less, is very less. It is only one-tenth of systemic circulation. Seven, pulmonary vascular system is a low pressure system. Pulmonary arterial pressure and pulmonary capillary pressure are very low. Eight, pulmonary arterial artery carries deoxygenated blood from the heart to the lungs and pulmonary vein carries oxygenated blood from the lungs to the heart. Physiological shunt is present, that is number nine. Pulmonary blood flow, the lungs receive the whole amount of blood that is pumped out from the right ventricle. Output of blood per minute is same in both right and left ventricle. It's about five liters. Thus, the lungs accommodate the amount of blood which is equal to the amount of blood accommodated by all other parts of the body. And so that is very important. Next, we shall be looking at the control of breathing. Control of breathing and respiratory reflexes. Thank you. Now, we shall be looking at the control of respiration. This is about the last part of the course. Although there are other parts that involve aviation, high altitude, and space 
physiology we shall not be dealing with that part but you can read them up the control of respiration or the control of breathing and some respiratory reflexes now two separate mechanisms are involved in the control of respiration these are neural and chemical control we shall be looking at first of all the neural control of respiration the respiratory center for this control is composed of several group of neurons located bilaterally in the medulla oblongata and pons of the brain stem it is divided into four major collections of neurons one you have the dosa respiratory group this group is located in the dosa portion of the medulla within the nucleus of the tractor solitarius in the upper parts of the medulla it causes inspiration it mainly causes inspiration take note of that two the ventral respiratory group is located in the ventral part of the medulla within the nucleus ambiguous and the nucleus retro ambiguous it has both inspiratory and expiratory neurons and hence causes inspiration and expiration normally the ventral group of neurons are inactive during quiet breathing and becomes active during force breathing or respiration the third group is referred to as the apneustic center is located in the reticular formation of the lower pons it increases the depth of inspiration by acting directly on the dozer group of neurons take note of that the fourth group is the pneumothoracic center this center is located in the dorsolateral part of the reticular formation in the upper pons which mainly controls the rates of respiration the primary effect of this center is to control the switch off points of inspiratory ramp the dozer respiratory group of neuron plays the most fundamental role 
in the control of respiration is very important that is the first group of neurons which is the dozer respiratory group of neurons plays the most fundamental role in the control of respiration let's look at the neural pathway nerve fibers from the respiratory centers leave the brain stem and descend in the anterior part of the lateral column of the spinal cord these nerves fibers terminate on the motor neurons in the anterior horn cell cells of the cervical and thoracic segment of the spinal cord from this motor neuron of the spinal cord arises one the phrenic nerve fiber which is from c3 to c5 which supplies the diaphragm two the intercostal nerve fibers from t1 to t11 which supplies the external intercostal muscles there is also the vagus nerve which contains some afferent not afferent afferent fibers from the respiratory centers that is the vagus nerve now let's look at the long inflation signal limit inspiration as long inflation signal it limits inspiration this also referred to as the Henry Brewer's inflation reflex or deflation reflex Henry Brewer's inflation reflex deflation reflex now located in the muscular portion of the walls of the bronchi and bronchioles throughout the lungs are stretch receptors that permit signals through the vagi nerve into the dosa respiratory group of neurons when the lungs becomes overstretched these signals affect inspiration in much the same way as signal from the pneumotaxic center that is where the lungs becomes overinflated the stress receptors activate an appropriate feedback response that switch off the inspiratory ramp and thus stop further inspiration this is called the Henry Brewer's inflation reflex the Henry Brewer's reflex does not operate during quiet respiration it operates only when the tidal volumes increases beyond a thousand mil that is beyond one liter what you have is more tidal volume that is tidal volume more than a thousand mil brought brings about stretching of the lungs 
this leads to stimulation of the stress receptors in the air passageway. Impulses are now sent through the vagal efferent. These impulses inhibit the dozer group of neurons, which eventually bring about inhibition of inspiration. And so it goes on and on and on like that. Other reflexes we shall mention later. Let's look at the chemical control. Remember we mentioned neural control, control of respiration. Now let's look at the chemical control of respiration. The chemical control of respiration can be discussed under two types of chemoreceptors. These are the central chemoreceptors, that is the chemosensitive areas of the brain or within the brain in the medulla and the pons, and two, the peripheral chemoreceptors. chemical chemoreceptors or the central chemoreceptors. The central chemoreceptors are stimulated or are situated in the deeper parts of the medulla oblongata, close to the dozer respiratory group of neurons. This area is known as chemosensitive areas and the neurons are called chemoreceptors. Chemoreceptors are in close contact with blood and the cerebrospinal fluid. The stimulants for the chemoreceptors, that is the chemosensitive neuron, is increase in blood PCO2, that is incre increase in blood uh, uh, blood uh, carbon dioxide. However, carbon dioxide does not directly stimulate these neurons. It does this indirectly by reacting with the waters of the tissues to form carbonic acid which dissociate into hydrogen ion and bicarbonate ion. The hydrogen ion then have a potent direct stimulatory effect on respiration. The hydrogen ion in the blood cannot stimulate the chemosensitive neurons in the medulla because the blood-brain barrier is not very permeable to hydrogen ion but carbon dioxide passes through this barrier almost as if the barrier does not exist. Consequently, whenever the blood PCO2 increases, so does the PCO2 of both the interstitial fluid of the medulla and that of the cerebrospinal fluid. 
In both these fluids, the carbon dioxide immediately reacts with the water to form new hydrogen ion. Thus, paradoxically, more hydrogen ions are released into the respiratory chemosensitive sensory area of the medulla when the blood carbon dioxide concentration increases than when the blood hydrogen ion concentration increases. For this reason, respiratory center activity is increased very strongly by changes in blood carbon dioxide. It's simple because hydrogen ion does not pass through, but it stimulates. But for hydrogen ion to get through, carbon dioxide, which is able to pass through, reacts and is able to bring about the formation of hydrogen ion, which stimulates these centers. But increase in hydrogen ion within the circulation is less potent compared to increase in carbon dioxide, which easily dissociates or combine, dissociates and combine again and dissociate and so the process goes on that is all for all the central chemoreceptors the peripheral chemoreceptors remember we mentioned two aspects you have the central you have the the peripheral special nervous chemical receptors called chemoreceptors are especially important for detecting changes in oxygen and to a lesser extent to changes in carbon dioxide and hydrogen ion concentration in the blood. The chemoreceptors transmit signal or transmit nervous signals to the respiratory centers in the brain to help regulate respiratory activity. Most of the chemoreceptors, that is the glomus cells, are in the carotid bodies with a few in the aortic bodies. The carotid bodies are located bilaterally in the bifurcation of the common carotid arteries. Their afferent nerve fibers pass through the herring's nerve to the glossopharyngeal nerves and then to the dosa respiratory area of the medulla. The aortic bodies are located along the arc of the aorta. Their afferent nerve fibers pass through the vega. Also, after passing through, to the dosa medullary respiratory area. So let's look at the mechanism. When oxygen concentration in the arterial blood falls below normal, the chemoreceptors become strongly 
stimulated. An increase in either carbon dioxide concentration or hydrogen ion concentration also excites the chemoreceptor and in this way indirectly increases respiratory activity. However, the direct effect of both these factors in the respiratory centers itself are so much more powerful than their effects mediated through the chemo receptors that is for hydrogen ion and for carbon dioxide but it is a decrease or the changes in the arterial oxygen that actually stimulates or bring about respiratory activities or changes in respiratory activities in the dozer respiratory group of neurons. Now let's look at regulation of respiration during exercise. Regulation of respiration during exercise. During exercise, arterial PCO2, pH, and PO2 remains unchanged. Therefore, increased ventilation, that is the increased ventilation observed during exercise cannot be due to any of these chemical factors. The brain on transmitting motor impulses to the exercising muscles during exercise is believed to transmit at the same time collateral impulses into the brain stem to excite the respiratory centers. So that is what we observe during rest, during exercise. This is analogous to the stimulation of the vessel motor center of the brain stem during exercise that causes its simultaneous increase in arterial blood pressure. Then look at the periodic breathing or periodic respiration. These are types of abnormal respiration. An abnormality of respiration called periodic respiration occurs in a number of disease conditions. The person breathes deeply for a short interval and then breathes slightly or not at all for an additional interval with the cycle repeating itself over and over and over again. One type of periodic respiration or breathing is called chin-stokes breathing. Chin-stokes breathing. And is characterized by slowly waxing and waning respiration occurring over every 40 to 60 seconds. Let's look at the mechanism of chin-stokes breathing. The basic cause of chin-stokes breathing is the following. When a person overbreathes, thus blowing 
of too much carbon dioxide from the pulmonary blood, while at the same time increasing blood oxygen. It takes several seconds before the changed pulmonary blood can be transported to the brain and inhibit the excess ventilation. By this time, the person has already overventilated for an extra few seconds. Therefore, when the overventilated blood finally reaches the brain respiratory centers, the center becomes depressed because of the excessive amount. After then, the opposite cycle begins. That is, carbon dioxide increases and oxygen decreases in the alveolar. Again, it takes a few seconds before the brain can respond to these new changes. When the brain does respond, the person breathes hard once more and the cycle repeats itself. Apnea. Apnea means absence of spontaneous breathing or temporary arrest of respiration. Apnea can also be produced voluntarily, which is called breath holding or voluntary apnea. The clinical classification of apnea is into three. You have obstructive apnea, two central apnea, three misapnea. Obstructive apnea. It occurs because of obstruction in the respiratory tract. The respiratory tract obstruction is mainly due to excess tissue growth like tonsil and adenoid. Common obstructive apnea is the sleep apnea. Sleep apnea is the temporary stoppage of breathing that occur repeatedly during sleep. It is also called sleep disordered breathing. It commonly affects overweight people. The characteristics of sleep apnea is snoring, leading to hypertension, heart failure, and stroke. Two, central apnea. It occurs due to damage to the central respiratory center or abnormality of the respiratory neuromuscular apparatus if it's seen in premature babies. Typical feature of central apnea is a short pause in between breathing. Misapnea, it is a condition of obstructive, sorry, it is a combination of obstructive and strength central apnea. It is usually seen in premature babies and even in full-term born infant. The main reason for misapnea is the abnormal control of respiration due to 
immature or underdeveloped brain or respiratory system. Let's look at hyposia. Hyposia. Hyposia is defined as reduced availability of oxygen to the tissues. The types include hyposic hyposia, anemic hyposia, stagnant hyposia, histotoxic hyposia. One, hyposic hyposia simply means decreased oxygen content in blood. It is caused by the following factors. One, low PO2 in inspired atmospheric air. Two, respiratory disorders associated with decreased pulmonary ventilation. Three, respiratory disorders associated with inadequate oxygen in the lungs. You have four, cardiac disorders in which enough blood is not pumped to transport oxygen. Two, anemic hyposia is a condition characterized by inability of the blood to carry enough amount of oxygen. Oxygen availability, availability is normal, but blood is not able to take up sufficient amount of oxygen due to anemic condition. Anemic condition is caused by one, decreased number of red blood cells, decreased hemoglobin content in the blood, formation of altered hemoglobin for a half combination of hemoglobin with gases other than oxygen and carbon dioxide. Three, stagnant hyposia is the hyposia caused by decreased velocity of blood flow. It is otherwise called hypokinetic hyposia. Stagnant hyposia is caused by congestive cardiac failure hemorrhage, surgical shock, vasospasm, thrombosis, embolism. Four, histotoxic hyposia is the type of hyposia produced by the inability of tissue to utilize oxygen. Histotoxic hyposia is caused by one, cyanide poisoning, two, sulfide poisoning, these poisonous substances destroy the cellular oxidative oxygen uh, combining activity. That is the cellular oxidative enzymes and there is a complete paralysis of the cytochrome oxidative system. The effect of hyposia on the body. Hyposia if severe enough can cause deaths of cells throughout the body, but in less severe degree, it causes principally decreased mental activity and ability, sometimes culminating in coma to reduce work capacity of the muscles. Let's look at cyanosis. The term cyanosis means blueness of the skin and it is caused and it causes excessive 
amount of deoxygenated hemoglobin in the skin blood vessels, especially in the capillaries. That is, it is caused by excessive amount of deoxygenated hemoglobin in the skin blood vessels, especially in the capillaries. This deoxygenated hemoglobin has an intense dark blue purple color that is transmitted through the skin. In general, cyanosis appear whenever the arterial blood contains more than 5 grams of deoxygenated hemoglobin in each 100 ml of blood. A person with anemia almost never becomes cyanotic because there is not enough hemoglobin for 5 grams to be deoxygenated in 100 ml of arterial blood. Conversely, in a person with excessive red blood cells as occur in polycythemia vera, the great excess of available hemoglobin can become deoxygenated, leading to frequent cyanosis, even under otherwise normal conditions. Now, other reflexes that we can talk about include the cough reflexes, we have the sneezing reflexes and the mechanisms, we also have the swallowing or deglutition reflexes. Thank you very much, and may God bless you all.